Spotlight with Sarah Hendy. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Faster my Sarah here with you until half past six. And tonight we're joined by Detective Inspector George Pratt and Italian gigolo Enzo Garibaldi also known as George Roberts and Matthew Warren of Russian Players, and I head west to see some new work by Ian Coulson. Well, hello and welcome along. Welcome also to our guest from Russian Players, George Roberts, or Detective Inspector Pratt, I should say. Death by Fatal Murder opens tomorrow evening at the Erin Arts Centre. Could you set the scene for us? Thank you very much. The action takes place at uh, Big Shot Heist, which is a rather rambling old stately home sort of a place, which was uh, used to be owned by Colonel Haddock, who is now deceased. He obviously lived uh, there before his, uh, his death, before he left this mortal boil. It now belongs to his daughter, Mrs Halfwit, or she might actually be his son, we're not quite sure, or possibly either the son or a daughter of just about any of the other characters that are in the house. I remain sceptic about that. Uh, the case concerns a missing police constable, a constable Napkins, and I was called to instigate his disappointment. Some strange characters around the house, squadron leader Allcock, who I think is surely in persecuting himself, and is really somebody else. He's got a false leg, which uh, he bought elusively on the black market. And then there's Miss Farquhar Karkar, who works on the land with her Brussels sprouts and seems to be incorporating a man. Um, Mrs Harford is conducting an, extra, an extramural affair with my uh, observatory assistant, Constable Thompson. And there, there's a strange foreign lady, Mrs Organ, who claims to live in some valleys with her friend Clairvoyance, uh, and who says she's in touch with with perishers who are ghosts uh, and chickens who are poultry ghosts. Uh, and Miss Mablethorpe, of course, who considers herself to be something of a, an amateur sloth. Uh, and then there's this Dutch fellow who is here with me today. Uh, he speaks with a strange Italian accent uh, and has an English name, Gary, Gary Baldy. And he keeps winking at me. Uh, my prime locomotive, of course, is simply to uh, acid train the circumstantials of events appetising to the absence of Constable Napkins. And uh, in the course of doing this, we grab the bull by the nettles uh, and attempt to unitise some extralogical and cyclic forces uh, and gain their insistence. So that's about it, really. Uh, it's going on this Thursday, Friday and Saturday at the Erin Arts Centre in Port Erin. I'm happy to meet you also. I am Garibaldi, yeah. And uh, you've already met my good friend, Inspector Pratt. Uh, um, I'm a good chef and I make it a bella pizza. <laughs> and I've actually dyed my hair for the part. <laughs> I was going to say, you're sporting a very Movember moustache as well. Well, the, is that, again, is that... that, it's a very dodgy moustache, yes, for, for, for the character. Uh, my wife says I've got to shave it off uh, Saturday night. You know, that's, uh, that's too much, really. But it's, it's good fun. There are... Um, six characters in total six, yeah. yes and uh we've all got different uh if you scratch one layer another layer is below it but it's 
there's a lot of layers. <laughs> I played my character two years ago. We had another uh, of the plays. It's written by Peter Gordon, uh, and we did one of. I think there's a trilogy of them. This is one of those trilogies, and we did uh, one called Slayed to Death two years ago. Uh, and it was just it's just such good fun because the the script is so good the the lines are so good the 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 malapropisms are wonderful uh, and uh, we're just enjoying doing it we make ourselves laugh every rehearsal it's good fun yeah, what a wonderful flavour you've both given us of what we can look forward to. And I always think there's something there's something really magical about um, I love a mystery, you know, something that really gets you thinking. But this comedy element just sounds hilarious. So the, the, the mystery, it, we don't even know what's going on. So <laughs> and we've been in rehearsals now for what two months, and we're not really sure what's going on. <laughs> so there's just it's a good crew, and we've all worked together before, and. Uh, uh, anyway, it's, it's enjoyable. It's just very enjoyable to do. Yeah, yeah especially when you're in um, a team like the Russian players where you get to know each other and you work through different performances together. You develop a real relationship. Um, have you have you been involved with the Russian players for a long time? Yeah, I've been involved with them for about 16 years now. Yeah, yeah. Some, um, It's always been good fun. Yeah. I've only been involved about six, eight months and it's been, yeah, been really good, really good fun. Uh, my last one, um, I, I didn't have a speaking part, so this is my first speaking part. So it's a bit nervous, but it's great. Well. It's, it's it's great fun, and it's been brilliant at uh, the Erin's Art Art Centre as well. Because I mean, the set is amazing, and we've been able to uh, be in there and and do it and rehearse, and it, rehearse yeah. it properly. Mm-hmm. So that's been good. So we know where the seats are, where you're supposed to stand. Because mm-hmm. sometimes, if you haven't got those props, yeah. it does make it difficult. But it's looking good, the set. It's looking great. Well, Adrienne, Adrian Sanderson uh, looks after the set and she's always very good with uh, what she puts on, all the little bits and pieces of ornaments and things all around the set. It's wonderful, yeah. Because yeah. the detail makes all the difference, of doesn't course, it? Yeah. And um, behind the scenes as well. Do you have a, do you have a behind oh, the a scenes team? Behind the scenes, yes. We don't really see a lot about them, but they're there and we depend on them very much so for, for everything, you know, that, that makes sure that... Effects, that isn't it? The sound effects, and to make sure that in between scenes the, um, the scenery is moved and put in the right place, they work very, very hard. Oh, yeah. What a great team. Um, and I suppose... Uh, not only is this a wonderful performance for people to come along and enjoy but with things the way they are I feel like so many people are taking up new hobbies or finding new interests or perhaps um, you know people in certain industries will have more time than they have for a long time Um, it sounds like a very welcoming group for anybody who wants to come and get involved yeah I mean whilst we were on lockdown uh, we did uh, zoom uh, readings and that was great fun actually uh, to pretend to be someone you know just to take a few lines and it was a good community because obviously you're very much closed down and then to be able to talk to other people and it's like oh it's tuesday night i'll get a glass of wine and i'll I'll read a part so it was it was great Mm -hmm. how lovely how lovely that you're able to help each other through those difficult times um so for people who do want to come along and enjoy these performances where do we get our tickets from from the box office at the uh, 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 Erin Art Centre. 832662 is the box office. It's uh, on Facebook. And yes, we've got a Facebook page. If you go to, well, Russian Players, uh, we've got a Facebook page on there and uh, they tell you all the details and, and everything about it there. But it's this Friday, Saturday and Sunday, 7.30 in Port Erin at the Erin Art Centre. Thank you so much for that. Well, you both take fantastic parts and I'm really excited for you. <laughs> 
Prego. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Bye. Spotlight. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Now we're heading to Peel Cathedral, where artist and former teacher Ian Coulson has a fantastic collection of new works on display. It's it's a huge amount of work that you've produced, Ian. How have you been keeping? You've clearly had a very creative lockdown. Well, you know, it's been a long time, hasn't it? You know, <laughs> the, um, when it started, really, I was just I got a load of um, old charts that I'd left from an adventure in northern Norway, and I'd been when lockdown happened. A friend had loaned me this um, Adam Nicholson book, The Seabirds Cry, about the tough time that seabirds were having, you know, because of um, there isn't enough room on this earth for them and us almost. Um, and so really when lockdown started, I started to draw seabirds onto sea charts and I was happy. <laughs> um, but then, so not exactly simultaneously, but very soon afterwards, I, I got... Um, a copy of my granddad's um, naval record from the first war and uh, it's I don't know whether you've ever seen one it's like two sides of a piece of paper that um, uh, people you know sort of fill in in different sort of sections really about what ships they were in and how long how long they were there for and what their conduct was and stuff like that Uh, and I found that really fascinating you know finding out what what these ships were because he was um he was a trawlerman you know he he spent his productive life in off iceland and off the north coast of norway sort of trawling for cod and then when the first world war comes along the admiralty requisition hundreds of trawlers um uh, to 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 act as minesweepers and their crews just sort of sign up en masse to to troll for mines instead of for cod, you know. Uh, and so I found that really interesting and I started then to look for uh, pictures. What what I was really interested was about was the images of the crews with the actual ship that they were in. So, you know, the, the, the internet is just incredible, isn't it? The, mm. the images that are there now, you know. And I think that during... Um, during lockdown, there's been a burgeoning of people looking for their family history, you know, on the internet and, uh, you know, things like, uh, who do you think you are on the television? Yeah. Leads everybody to this idea that their family story is every bit as important as the national story. Uh, and of course, the, you know, ordinary people like these fishermen are doing extraordinary things that is actually part of of the national story, you know, and, uh, and so, you know, in our own little lives, we're sort of contributing to something that is horrendous, you know, that's happening in, across the whole world, you know. Uh, so I found that really interesting, you know, so whereas everybody else is drawing up family trees, I'm just drawing and drawing and drawing. <laughs> um, and so then, you know, finding pictures You know, people are putting up uh, photographs that have been in the backs of drawers for generations uh, or in old uh, photo albums and things. And then they're becoming public property on the Internet. And they're utterly fascinating. Um, So that's really what I've been looking at, really, are, are, um, uh, you 
you know, other people's family photographs. <laughs> but what a discovery to find that that record of your grandfather's. I imagine that every single map must tell some kind of story, but the layers and the way that um, your drawings and your writings interact with that printed story is really exciting. I know last time when we spoke to you, charts were a big part of your work yeah. then as well mm-hmm. it's it's so interesting how they've stayed in your in your work and yet you're doing something completely different with them yeah well the paper is actually made to be drawn on so you know the the expectation is that you will lay off your course on it and uh, you know and and you'll draw where the boat goes you know therefore has been so the the stuff is actually made to accept the mark that a pencil makes and that's that's an exciting sort of thought i remember norman sale just said said to me once you know there's nothing more exciting than a clean sheet of drawing paper and a sharp pencil and he said paradoxically there's nothing more frightening as well i'd agree <laughs> <laughs> well the you know the chart it, you know to, to to pull the chart out of the drawer and see the old courses that the ship has made on it and i whenever the whenever there are you know a ship's position is marked in the chart i try to make it part of the drawing the, it becomes one of the sort of rules of the game really of of drawing like this is that you initially i try to leave any information that was uh, you know, that was vital for navigation. I tried to make it part of the drawing, so I miss bits out of the image that I was drawing to allow the chart to come through the image, you know. Uh, and uh, and I've, I've sort of stuck to the colours that are in the printed chart. So I haven't gone in with, you know, uh, you know madly different colours or, uh, or whatever. So, they're, they're, you know, it's almost like my drawings are admiralty accredited drawings you know yeah. the the colors that i've used are the colors that are used in the printed chart so if you look along them actually it's, it, it, there's a very nice sort of um sympathy for each, each drawing has for the next one you know yeah. uh, which i rather like you know the first drawings that i'm doing here are about the first war and then into the second war and these are actually very modern charts you know these are charts from perhaps you know up to the year 2000 something like that um, but uh, actually making a journey at sea is uh, and, and marking it off on a chart is a description of history you know and these things that I'm drawing here these photographs of men staring at cameras you know a hundred years ago is, is a description of back through a hundred years of history and if you look into their faces, if you look at the way that these guys are standing, you know, when somebody, pre-selfie this is, <laughs> yeah. uh, let's not generalise too much here, <laughs> pre-selfie, when somebody took out a camera and said to people, face the camera, then there were several things that, you know, whether men crossed their arms as this man here d- does in the, in the foreground, you know, um, or this fellow here, he's just wonderful sort of, with arms crossed and his head tilted to one side and he's sort of smirking at the camera. You know, in 125th of a second, they are declaring their personality. And that's just astonishing. That photograph is made literally in 125th of a second. But when you make a drawing from it, it takes hours and hours and hours. And you're looking into their archaic sepia faces and it can bring you to tears. Mm seabirds feature here as well i think it's 
I think it's wonderful that you've got the maps of the places these people might have travelled, the people who travelled there and the things they might have seen on their way as well. We've got this gorgeous flock of sea pies or oyster catchers here. Um, what's the story with this one? Well, these are, this is from a photograph that I took uh, walking up the shore at Michael. You know, we walk the dog up the shore every day. <laughs> um, uh, but it, um, I put it together with this um, uh, drawing, which is about the... Um, the Norwegian campaign at the uh, at the outset of the the, the Second War, when Norway is uh, occupied by the Germans, and and the Allies were very uh, they really wanted to deny the Germans the use of the ice-free ports in the north of Norway because then they could deny them the Swedish iron ore that was coming out of the mines in the north of Sweden is exported out of these. Um, ice-free ports in the winter, you know. So they, they went in to try and take them. But, of course, by then the Germans had had, um, had captured all of the Norwegian um, airports. And so these ships that were going, you know, many miles inland in the, in the fjords were being bombed constantly. And they had no air support at all. So there was a real failure of planning here on part of the... Uh, um, the British Admiralty, uh, and of course this was why Chamberlain then had to resign as Prime Minister. Uh, but the person who became Prime Minister was Churchill, and the failures of this campaign are Churchill's failures, uh, in that he was unable to supply any kind of um, air support, you know, for the the ships. So it was in they landed, I don't remember how many, I think perhaps 300,000 troops in the, in the north of Norway, but they couldn't supply them, so they had to take them out. Uh, and this is so. This uh, what was essentially a, a forced evacuation is one month before Dunkirk. So it's a rehearsal for Dunkirk. Here's a here's a man who's actually on our war memorial uh, outside the church that we're in at the moment. Um, uh, Seaman John Klukas, who was who did two months in, in the Norway campaign, got safely back to Shetland uh, with the people that they managed to evacuate. And then before they know it, they're on their way to Dunkirk with every other sort of seaworthy vessel um, that can make the journey, but he doesn't get there. They're sunk on their way to Dunkirk by a, a German e-boat. Uh, um, uh, and the top speed of an e-boat is 34 knots. The top speed of a trawler is 10 knots, so they stand no chance. Of course, Manxmen are dying in their numbers at um, Dunkirk anyway, apart from the people who are on the beach. You know, there are three of the steam packet boats go down at Dunkirk. Mm -hmm. From tragic stories to natural beauty, we've got some gannets here, and this um, this looks a lot more expressive. What was what was going through your mind when this one this one was made? Well. On this chart here is the chart of he an island in Norway called Hitra. And we spent many weeks uh, with an old um, ferry on the slip in Hitra that we were trying to help to prepare to go to um, the Cook Islands in the middle of the Pacific. So I, I know this area <laughs> really very well. So uh, in doing the diving gannets, I tried to use the the fjords as the sort of wake of the, the gannet as it dives down through the surface of the water, you know. Uh, they are the, the most wonderful um, animals uh, 
again it's a, just astonishing I'm, I'm humbled every time I see them they're so beautiful yeah, they are majestic birds aren't they and we have are these cormorants as well yeah yeah, yeah. And you've left, you're talking about leaving gaps um, for the information uh, on the charts to come through. You've, you've d you're doing that with all the, the place names here with the birds. Yeah, place names and depths and, and that sort of stuff. Uh, I just love them. Cormorants are just gorgeous, aren't they? <laughs> just gorgeous. And they're so noble, you know. Um, it's a lovely opportunity to sort of sit down and look at something closely and draw it. It's, you know. It's not to be missed. Lockdown's been... I've had a, I've had a great lockdown. <laughs> Do you know, it's been sort of split down the middle um, yeah. with the creatives we've spoken to. This display, all of the stories, all of the places, um, it's here till this weekend, isn't it? But you have hopes for, for what might happen next. Yes, I hope that, um, uh, you know, when, the, when those poor people over in England come out of their lockdown... That, uh, and and we're perhaps post-vaccine that we that I can tour this set of drawings around the places that um, the cathedrals of the towns that they they used as bases. You know, I would love these to go off to Kirkwall, to Stornoway, to Lerwick, to Aberdeen, you know, to Grimsby, down to Lowestoft, where this this lot actually this is the Royal Naval Patrol Service. Their base was in in a, a, a municipal park, you know, like a like a you know with a, with bowls, uh, uh, fields and mini golf and things like that in Lowestoft. And and there's a little museum there. And I think actually there are more drawings here than the museum could hold. <laughs> but I'd love them to go to Lowestoft mm -hmm. and to Harwich and places like that. Um, uh, and and it seems that it might be possible. Yeah. How how many are there exactly? Well, I've got them in. Um, I, 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 fir I very firmly now put them in pairs, so there are seabirds and there are seamen, uh, uh, and so I see two two drawings essentially as one, uh, and then the other ones on the other side here. They they actually come together as single single sets of images, uh, but there are fifteen big, what I call you know. Uh, drawings yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah it's a lot of work when did the project begin because I know lockdown must have played quite a big part in it but it's a lot of work to produce in a reasonably short time well I'm I, I stuck at it yeah. <laughs> I stuck at it and I, I sort of pretty much um during our lockdown you know the sort of that lovely warm spring that we had I did my hour out on the bicycle and then I'd just come back and carry on drawing. So I, I think I was drawing eight hours a day. Um, uh, and, and it was just, it was blissful, actually. It was mm -hmm. blissful. Uh, and uh, these old photographs, these men's faces, these seabirds have been just such wonderful company. Do head down to Peel Cathedral for a glance at those illustrated charts and their accompanying abstracts as well. So much to see and learn there. Oh, and a quick note from the community pin board. This Friday at the Mitre from half past seven, Penny Productions present Open the Orb, which is a poetry and rap open mic night. So get yourself to Ramsey for that. 7.30 at the Mitre. 
But for this week, that's all we have time for. Join me again next Wednesday, where I'll be speaking to the Creative Network about that exciting opportunity for local artists. Till then, have a lovely creative week. Slen you.